0: Hello and welcome to the Beautiful Business Podcast. Beautiful Business is a community for leaders who believe there's a better way of doing business. We believe beautiful businesses are led with purpose by people who care, guided by a clear strategy and soulfully grown. Hello and welcome to today's edition of the Beautiful Business Podcast. My name is Yuan Sang. I'm part of the Beautiful Business team. And in this episode, I was joined by the infatigable Trenton Moss. Trenton is a business leader, trainer, and coach who inspires everyone around him to achieve more than they think they can. His best-selling book, Human Powered, was published last year. It helps you gain all the people skills and EQ you need to succeed. He's the founder and head coach at Team Sturker, a training and coaching business that supercharges client-facing businesses with people skills. Previously, he spent 15 years as founder and CEO at one of the UK's first user experience consultancies, Web Credible. When he's not working, you'll usually find him running around after his kids or sleeping. He loves a post lunch power nap. Don't we all, Trenton? We'll jump straight into the chat. Hope you enjoy it. Bringing emotional intelligence into the world of work and beyond. Trenton, tell us what you mean when we say emotional
1: intelligence. What is it and why is it important? Yeah, I mean, for me, emotional intelligence is the number one skill that you need in the workplace. And it's kind of, I don't really understand why our kids aren't taught it in school and why it's not integrated into the school curriculum. Imagine if it was and you know we had generation after generation coming through into the workplace full of emotional intelligence. The working world will be so different. But essentially what emotional intelligence is is there's two parts to it. It's all about understanding yourself. And the second part is understanding other people. So understanding yourself in terms of your reactions to things that that happen, your values, what drives you forward, what creates negative reactions from your point of view. So understanding why you behave a certain way. But then also the second part, understanding other people. So understanding what motivates them and why they're coming from where they're coming from. And given that the working world has changed from one that historically was quite siloed through to one that's all about collaboration, That's why emotional intelligence is key because you're much better off having a really high-performing team with people full of emotional intelligence who are all pretty talented compared to a group of toxic rock stars who just kind of are amazing by themselves, but they will never create that synergy because they're unable to work well in a team. So that's emotional intelligence, what it is. And yeah, I think it's incredibly important. And there was a really interesting study by like a joint study by stanford and harvard universities and and they found that 85 percent of job success comes from having well-developed people skills people skills are just it's all about emotional intelligence you know and obviously the greater your skills and things like leadership and resilience and inspiring others well the more likely you are to succeed in your role and for your business to succeed
0: that term uh, toxic rock stars sounds like the worst whatsapp group and um, that you could imagine, doesn't it? <laughs> so, um, listen to what you're saying there, Trenton. It sounds a lot when you talk about understanding yourself and um, recognizing what your values are and what your purpose is, and then flipping that over and recognizing what other people, what drives them and what motivates them. It brings my mind towards that it is a transactional analysis where you kind of you try and understand how you respond to things, to external things, and, and then how your response affects others in, in, in that sense. Is that is that, broadly speaking, is that linked to, or would you say that's linked to emotional intelligence?
1: Yes, because again, it's understanding why someone's communicating in a certain way. So look, if someone behaves in a certain way or communicates in a certain way that really riles you, right, that upsets you or annoys you or frustrates you, it's really important that you take the time to a understand their intentions and where they're coming from because their intention is not to do that that's not where they're coming from yes they may do it they may upset you or annoy you or frustrate you but that's not their intention so the first thing understand where they're coming from and the second thing is understand why you're having that reaction you see there's nobody out there who has a negative impact on everyone they know in their life right everyone has family and friends and people they have connections with so what is it about that person what is it about the things that they're saying or doing that creates such a negative reaction for you that's triggering you so much so emotional intelligence like i'm saying it's about understanding where the other person's coming from assuming the best of intentions and why am i reacting that way what is it that's that's triggering me
0: there's a real requirement for leaders to have that self-awareness then it isn't always just about there is a really important part of understanding where people are coming from as you say and i love that assume that it's coming from a position of of good you know from that kind of position but that intrinsic look on yourself why am i reacting in that way is perhaps do you find in the work that you do is that the bit that perhaps people miss that people skip what do you find
1: Yeah, to be honest, those people skip both of those. So people skip assuming the best of intentions because if you have to communicate with someone day in, day out, and it keeps not working for you, it keeps happening in a way that's negatively impacting you, it can be hard to look beyond that negative impact. That person's just horrible, that person's just rude, or that person's just annoying. And if you know you can find a couple of colleagues to agree with you, that reinforces your opinion. So it can be hard to look beyond that and to look for the deeper intentions especially if it's happening day in day out so people can struggle with that you know then you get stuck in a in a place of just being the victim basically and that's a horrible place to be because then the emotional burden that puts on you and the the kind of negative energy that sucks up is just not not ideal so people struggle with that and they struggle with you know to go back to your question like understanding themselves so they equally struggle with both in, in my opinion and ideally you've got to move on from a position of Criticising other people to a more kind of empathetic place, and you've got to look at yourself and understand why. Why is it that I'm reacting this way? It's really just having those conversations, making
0: me reflect and look back at different types of work relationships we had, and and this this goes beyond just the leadership and managing people. that can account with clients, I guess, and any sort of interaction mm. for the, with other humans, Um where. You find yourself in a in, almost like in a negative spiral of 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 this continuous reinforcement of this isn't working. They're not right. I'm not right. Something's not right, and 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 you keep on getting into this
1: this vortex. Yeah, and it's hard to get out of there. And you mm-hmm. go into these conversations, and it, you go into a conversation, and and the other person says X. And if you're with someone that you like, and you get on really well with, and that other person says X, you'd be like okay, it's fine. I know. And they're really nice. I didn't mean it. Whereas when you're with the, the person that, that always does these horrible things, oh, they said it again. Um, they did it again. And it, re, as I say, it just keeps reinforcing it. And you've got to get out of that cycle because the only person that suffers in that cycle is you. Even though in your mind, you're like, that other person's wrong. They're horrible. They're this, they're that. They're not suffering. You are. So, Whilst the way they're communicating may not be working for you, and and probably you should do something about it and talk to them about it and try to come to a better outcome, if you just sit there stewing on it and just continually criticizing them and making them wrong, you're the one who suffers. Yeah. So even with that kind of you know, self-preservation view on things, you need to fix it. You,
0: know, you need to do yeah. something about it and you need to break that cycle, which takes us quite nicely onto that next question, really. In, in the world of work, what can founders, what can managers do that will improve their emotional intelligence? And I guess kind of breaking that down a little bit, how do you recognize it? How do you, how do you always kind of measure it? I'm a big fan of, you know, you can manage what you can measure. So how do you
1: do that with emotional intelligence? What, what advice would you give there? Well it kind of ties back to the things I said before like understand yourself and understand other people. So understanding yourself I mean it's quite simple. Just ask the people that work with you and who are in your team. And hopefully if you've created a culture of psychological safety and people know that they can be open and honest with you and you're not going to get defensive. So if you've created those that groundwork, you can ask them, you know, what do I do that has a negative impact on you and other people and what are you valuing me what do I bring to our relationship and if you're able to have open and honest conversations with people about that you will start to learn about yourself and that's something that I would recommend every leader does on a regular ish basis to continually understand the things you're doing that are negatively impacting those around you another thing to do if you are a senior leader I'd always recommend you get coaching proper kind of executive coaching because that is all about helping you learn about yourself and kind of peeling back the you know the layers of the onion imagine your body's an onion and you've got all these layers and you just want to peel those back to just again to understand yourself and what drives you and what things frustrate and annoy you but but why because once you start understanding why these things frustrate annoy or upset you then you can start recognizing when those things happen and knowledge is power because as soon as you realize why you're getting a annoyed or frustrated or upset it's easy to then move on to resolution be like okay i get it i understand why i'm feeling this way right given that that is the issue what should i do about it and it helps you kind of move through things so that's the first part is knowing yourself and as i said the other part is about understanding other people it's about always 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 assuming the best of intentions so for anyone in your team whatever they're doing to Frustrate, annoy, upset you, let you down, whatever it is they may be doing, they've always, always got the best of intentions. And it's about you going in to understand. So if you're talking to a team member and they're not performing well enough or something's not going right, it's not going in to kind of tell them what's gone wrong and to tell them why it's wrong and to tell them how they need to improve. It's not about that. It's about saying, right, what's going on? Where are you at with this? Okay, I really need you to be over here let's have a chat what's happening for you what's holding you back what can I do to support you and again if you've got that psychological safety you can get someone to hopefully open up and explain what is going on and it's like okay great you're over here and you've got this going on thank you so much for sharing that I need you to be over here how do we resolve this well what is it we're going to do to get to the the outcome that you know that's going to be really good for us both and the key thing is you never ever make the other person wrong and you never disagree with them so Something that I, I think a really interesting thing to think about, well, I think this is interesting, is to understand what the opposite of agreeing is. Because if I said to you, what's well, the opposite of agreeing, you're probably going to say, well, disagreeing. And that's not the case. The opposite of agreeing is not agreeing. So just because you don't agree with the other person and, and just because you're not that happy with where they're at, doesn't mean you need to disagree with them. You cannot agree with where they're at and you can say, here's where I need things to be. So how do we get a win-win outcome? And so as a leader, if you can start empathizing with people in your team, really start listening, really understand where they're coming from and talk about where you need them to get to and what success looks like for you, you can do this in a really enriching, empowering way that helps people to succeed. And I think one more story, one more thing. I always like to talk about the Babemba tribe. So the Babemba tribe is a is a tribe in Southern Africa, and they got this really unique thing going on that I think is fantastic. So if you're a member of the Babemba tribe, let's say you, and you, you commit some sort of crime or some sort of misdemeanor. So what the tribe does is they'll put you in, in the middle of a space, and they'll all form a big circle around you, right? But the good news is they're not going to beat you, and they're not going to shout at you, and they're not going to berate you, and instead what they do is they all take it in turns to tell you about your positive contribution to the tribe, and the, the, the value that you bring to the community, and every single person in the tribe has to speak, and you have to go into detail. You have to really explain your points. It can't just be, yeah, I think you're great. It's got to be, you know, really, you do this, you do that, you do that, so it takes a really long time, and at the end of this, they have a big celebration, and then you're kind of welcomed back into the tribe, so None of us are assuming bad intentions in you. We've all, even though you've done some sort of crime or misdemeanor, we've all assumed the best of intentions and made that so abundantly clear to you to kind of create that psychological safety, to make it clear to you what you did isn't okay, but we've done it in a way that makes you feel like a hero.
0: It sounds dreamy. And I get kind of projecting you know, if I was able to go back in time and replay some perhaps some performance management conversations that we've had to have with team members, particularly with junior team members as well. Because arguably they're the ones that will be most affected by how they are managed. Um, Mm. And goodness me, their future kind of outcomes even will be heavily influenced by how well or how badly they are managed. Um, But to come into those conversations, as you say, assuming with their best intentions really changes The complexion of that conversation. I'm very keen as well, um, Trenton, to just explore a little bit more about this concept of um, psychological safety because it seems to me to be able to have those really open and really honest conversations where people feel like they can express themselves in in a really open and honest way. The psychologically safe environment, it seems like a prerequisite. How Mm. or what can managers and leaders do to encourage a psychologically safe environment for their teams?
1: Yeah. I mean, there's so much you can do, but, you know, so listening and, and showing empathy, as I mentioned. But I think the one thing that kind of underpins it all, if you want to create psychological safety, if there's just one thing you remember, it's make them feel like a hero. So like the Babemba tribe, it's just going into all of those conversations with the intention, I want this person to feel awesome. I want them to feel like a total hero. I want them to understand the amazing skills they have and the amazing impact that they can have. And I just want them to feel really great as a result of that. So yes, there may be an issue around performance. So you've got to kind of state the outcome where you want them to get to, but you don't focus on what they're doing wrong necessarily. You don't focus on making them feel bad about themselves. You just focus on that's the outcome, right? Where are you at? Tell me about the things you're doing wow, that sounds great. You're really putting massive effort into this. Oh, that looks really difficult. You know, just about, let's just say you've got a team member who's just struggling to hit deadlines, right? And sometimes that can be because they're just really into the detail and they really want to make it perfect. So you could go in and say, you're not hitting your deadlines. That's not acceptable. You've got to sort it out. Uh, what do you think? What, what can we do? And immediately you've told them why they're wrong. So there's no psychological safety and you're probably not going to get them coming from a place of authenticity so you can understand where they're coming from and instead if you go and you say right i've got to talk to you about deadlines we're in a place where obviously we've got to hit these deadlines it feels like some of them have slipped with you yeah i want to come up with a great solution here what's you know, what, what's going on and you talk a bit and then if it if you kind of get to the point where you know they say well i'm just struggling to get it all done in the time okay sounds like you really care about doing the best possible work for our clients yeah I really do I just don't have enough time to make it good enough Wow I mean you're going in there you're so dedicated you're so caring you like want to do this amazing work so much you're working these long hours um yeah I mean, it sounds like you're putting a lot of pressure on yourself but you just want to do this amazing job and you say that to the other person you're just you're making them feel like a hero. You're validating them for how they feel, and you're making them feel good about themselves. And then you can move on and say, okay, great. I'm I'm so glad that you've told me this stuff. That that helps me really understand where you're coming from. Right, how do we get the best of both worlds here? How do we make it so that you can do amazing work that you're really proud of and that you you think is just absolutely brilliant? And hit the deadlines. What do we do here? How do we get the best of those two ones? How do we get a win-win outcome? It's really interesting, trending, because it sounds like throughout all of
0: this process and everything that you just described to me, there is that build-up, there's that kind of that hero piece and, and making them feel good and, and keeping them in a place of positivity whilst you're assuming best intentions. There's also that part of passing it back over to them, not necessarily giving it to them entirety. But what I mean by that is, how do we fix this? What can we do? And it isn't a kind of like, what am I going to do to make you hit the deadline? It's a, how can we do it? Is that right? Is that, is that intentional?
1: Yeah, yeah. It's so much better getting them to work it out because then they own it, right? Well, there's two benefits. Number one, if you can encourage them to come up with a solution, then they, they own it, they buy into it, and they're obviously more likely to, to be motivated for it. And number two, you avoid learnt helplessness. Yeah. Rather than teaching them or explaining them, you're actually creating the space for them to learn. And as a leader and a manager, like, like, like nice leaders and managers with good intentions – can often inadvertently create learned helplessness because we're so keen to help them, to support them. We don't have much time. So it's like, I'll just come in, I'll tell you what the solution is and you can crack on. And, and the person is like, oh, wow, you're so helpful. Thank you so much. What a great manager you are. And actually, you're not. You've got great intentions and you really want to help, but because you've got the ideas in your head and or because you're time poor, you just go in and tell them what to do. And then actually long-term, That's not the best thing to do because they can't learn and develop in a way they would otherwise and stand on their own two feet. And B, you get that learned helplessness. They start Mm -hmm. to rely on you for solutions. And over time, that then builds resentment. There are plenty of leaders I work with who have that resentment of like, everyone just looks to me for the solution. And it's like, okay... Not that I would say this to them, gotta make them feel like a hero, but in my mind I'm like, well, you're probably part of the problem uh that, that's gone in to create this situation. And so it's helping them kind of realize how their behavior has made that happen.
0: Again, it's that self-awareness, isn't it? Because I think certainly from a founder's perspective and certainly from you know a business leader's perspective, more often than not, they want to be, you know, that kind of hero role almost. Don't worry, I'm here. I'm, yeah. You know, and, and and in the step with their cape flapping in the wind and it is this first part is awareness i suppose that they're doing it and then to stop themselves from, doing it, from holding back i guess in many ways it reminds me of that i forget what the model is but where you've got those different states where you've got the adult state which is where you want to be at or you have the parental state or you have the child state you yeah. know and if you're forever don't worry i'll take care of it for you da, 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 then you're encouraging that child state because you're assuming the parental state yeah um, exactly right yeah it's the transactional analysis indeed nice. yeah right yeah so flipping that over then so what what's been the I suppose one of the biggest lessons that you've kind of seen um, working with high performance teams over the years, over the 15 years or so, and that you've been in the space when it comes to using that emotional
1: intelligence successfully? I mean, it all comes down to culture, ultimately, and the culture comes down to predominantly the behavior of the leader. So if you've got a leader who generally scores high for emotional intelligence, who generally assumes the best of intentions with other people who generally has that growth mindset of wanting to like develop yourself learn new things understand why you behave in a certain way uh, be very open to to feedback then that just trickles through to the team and the people that you recruit and the culture that then develops and becomes almost like creates keeps itself going is generally one of high emotional intelligence and then usually it's quite a high performing team Hmm. and Obviously, the opposite happens when you have a leader who doesn't behave in a way that demonstrates high emotional intelligence and you get potentially then a low, lower performing team and then things don't necessarily go well. So yeah, the thing I've learned is, is it's all about the leader. It's just yeah. all about that person who's running the team.
0: Sounds really good. So the last last question on this bit then, Trenton, how how can managers use emotional intelligence beyond work? Because I feel like there's there's something here, like that whole outlook of you know, assuming best intentions. It sounds like just a
1: lovely way to live your life, let alone, you know, yeah. you got to do it with family, with friends, with everyone. You know, the hardest people... The hardest times to to assume the best of intention is when emotions are raised. So, yes, showing high levels of emotional intelligence can at times be difficult with family members. And my my wife once joked with me that, you know, I post on LinkedIn, you know, various things around emotional intelligence and people skills. And she once I think this was a joke. I hope this was a joke. Because she once said to me, next time you post on LinkedIn, I'm going to post a comment to say, let me tell you how it really is with Trenton. But yeah, all this stuff we're talking about, it applies to every aspect of your life. And if you're able to keep on top of your emotions and you're not too tired when you're with family members, kids, partners and so on, then you can do all of this stuff as well.
0: I think you do have that. You just meet the, meet people in life generally, don't you? Who, who you just think there's a universally held view that, oh, yeah, that fella, he's really nice. He's just always really, you know, he's really chipper and he just gets on. And you've got people who just seem to get on with everyone. And I guess this goes beyond just getting on with people, but it's just understanding, as you say, how people work, what goes through their minds and, and how they interact with their friends and with their associates, with their colleagues and things like this. They just, they have this connection. And I feel like that's yeah. very much down to, as you say, emotional intelligence.
1: Yeah, that's exactly it. Like the emotional intelligence and and empathy. So, you know, we all like to be listened to. It feels good when someone is genuinely listening to, but it feels even better when you feel like the other person understands you. And that's a, a really amazing thing. And there's a famous quote from Maya Angelou that I always use, which is, no one remembers what you say, But they do remember how you make them feel so if you're with someone and you're demonstrating that empathy empathy just means you know i get you i get where you're coming from so if someone's talking to you and you just reflect back to them the things that they said and how that made them feel it's like oh wow this person gets me they've listened and they've understood there's a quite interesting thing that goes on in your brain when that happens so the parts of your brain that are responsible for talking about yourself Um, They're also responsible, believe it or not, for the thrills of food, sex, money and drug addiction. So (laughs) it just feels good when you're able to talk about your beliefs or or something around you, uh, around yourself and the other person gets you. I love that. And I'm going to steal that quote, um, Trenton, because that's uh,
0: yeah, all your favorite things in life, basically, <laughs> are also triggered for when you're able to speak about yourself and you feel safe about doing so. And whoever you're speaking with gets it as well. Yeah. So yeah, I can see why this, this fellow that gets on with everybody gets on with everybody if he's able to do that. Yeah. Great things happen to their brain. Indeed. Thank you to Trenton Moss from Team Sterker for sharing that wonderful advice, sharing those stories and being so candid in telling them. Thank you for joining us for this week's Beautiful Business podcast. Beautiful Business is a community for leaders who believe there's a better way to do business. Join us next time for more interesting discussions on how businesses can bring about change, helping communities, building a fairer society and safeguarding the planet. You can also join in the discussion at www.beautifulbusiness.uk.